Second Peter chapter three, verses one through seven. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, we are in the final chapter of Second Peter, um, and the section heading here in the ESV is the day of the Lord will come. So, you know, just as a little reminder, and maybe if you've uh, you're just jumping in with us, or if you missed the beginning of Second Peter, uh, Peter references in chapter one that the Lord has revealed to him that it's about to be his time to go. So he's kind of trying to help prepare these churches that he's helped shepherd and lead. He, he's trying to kind of prepare them for this uh, sort of post-apostolic age um, where the the church fathers, the apostles uh, are, you know, being martyred or they're dying out. And um, he kind of aptly predicts here, this is one of those passages that sounds like it could have been written like today. Right. Because um, he predicts that these scoffers are going to come along and, you know, in, in their sarcastic tone, just say, what are you talking about? everything is the same as it always has been. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a warning and a commendation to kind of hold fast in the face of that. Um, and interestingly, he, he references the flood, um, which uh, in the end of first Peter, he also makes a, a very strong kind of reference to Noah's Ark and the flood. Mm. Um, so really interesting that he kind of, harkens back to that refrain, but Barrett, um, the, the people are once again, cheering and clapping to have Barrett Fisher in the chair. And they're wondering what, what does Barrett Fisher think about second Peter three? <laughs> I will give a couple of thoughts. Um, anytime, you know, the big fancy like theological word for these type passages is eschatological mm. or eschatology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eschatology means the study of the last things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of looking to the future and, 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 you know, the study of, of things that are yet to come and, um, eschatology really matters. And so, I, I think a lot of people just say, well, it's really confusing. The book of revelation is really confusing. And these type passages are really confusing. So I'm not going to worry about those. The problem is all of us have some kind of working theory in our minds of what is going to happen eschatologically, you know, in the end times. Mm -hmm. And, but a lot of that is adopted from like very sketchy sources (laughs) 
you know, whether, and I mean, I'm being serious, like whether it's like the left behind series Mm -hmm. or like something like that, something is influencing the way that we think about how the end times might roll out. Yeah. Okay. And so nobody is neutral on this. In fact, if you press somebody into a corner, they'll finally say, well, maybe it's going to be like this. And, oh, where'd you get that from? Well, actually, you know, my dad had this crazy view, you know, or he was part of this cult or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something that we're basing our views on and, Mm. and everyone has a view of how they think this might roll out. And the thing that I think is important to see is like the way you think the end times will potentially roll out. It, it affects the way you live today. Yeah. Okay. And so there is, there is something in this, in this passage that you just read and it's particularly verse seven Mm-hmm. That is like whole eschatologies, whole, yeah. you know, understandings of what's going to happen in the end times have been built around this verse. Yeah. Or at least this verse has p- played a huge contributing factor to how people think that the end times is going to is going to, you know, unveil. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says in verse seven, it says, but by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exists are stored up for fire mm-hmm. being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So what this verse, what this verse says is, you know, and I, I think it goes on later in this, later in this chapter, but basically what people are, what people have, you know, deduced from this is that the earth is going to be burned up with fire one day, mm-hmm. meaning that this earth is going to be, burned up and uh, consumed with fire and then all the believers and then we look at passages like uh, Matthew 24 and 25 and then you look at Revelation and and it's like we're all going to, you know, all the believers, Jesus is going to come back and we're all going to like sprout wings and we're all going to like fly off into this like heavenly abyss or yeah. this, this paradise. Yeah, I, I would argue that that is not what the Bible actually teaches mm-hmm. and um, I mean a, a quick kind of side point here is like I think we approach all of this with a level of humility so yeah I don't hold these mm-hmm. views like super you know I, I wouldn't fight till I'm blue in the face I would listen to your view and and say that's an interesting view take me to scripture where you find that and I'll take you to scripture where I find mine and we can have a healthy conversation over there yeah so churches should not divide you know uh fellowship between believers should not divide over these type yeah. things yeah but um but it does matter and I do think it's like worth talking about and so, you know, um, when the, I mean, the other point to make here is that when you're talking about kind of the study of the, of the end times or the last things, um, a lot of the biblical language seems to be very figurative. And I know that this is something that's always talked about, like, is the book of revelation, is it very literal? Is it very figurative? Is it a combination of both? Mm-hmm. And I, I am I am of the opinion now that it is it is very figurative. Uh, there is lots of figurative language, particularly in the Book of Revelation, but also in some of these other passages. Um, I, I think you know Jesus was speaking in parables a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and so I, I do think there's a lot of figurative language that surrounds this. And so even for it to say that the earth uh, is stored, up, you know, the heavens of the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, I don't know that that actually means that they're going to be burned up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one explanation would be that, um, that this earth is actually going to be. So the analogy is it's, it's refined by fire. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that you take a piece of gold and you melt it down 
and the impurities rise to the top and that's how you scrape them off and mm-hmm. you're left with pure gold. Yeah. Um, and so in, in the same way, I think he might be saying that it's going to be purified by fire, purified by the judgment of Jesus yeah. And the impurities are scraped off the top yeah. and they are dealt with, you know, the destruction of the ungodly, the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly is what yeah. it's talked about here. And so it, it might be talking about the judgment in terms of like the earth being burned up. And so I, I kind of took us off on a rabbit trail. I mean, I hope it is kind of like, you know, no, here in it. the passage, I but it. I think it's an important note to make because this is one of those verses that is used a lot Yes. When people think about the end times. No, I, I do think that that's an important thing um, because you can't just take like one moment of scripture and build a theology off of it. Yeah. You have to take the whole council of scripture. Right. And especially when it comes to the end times. I mean, there there is just like a, a plethora. I mean, I think tomorrow we'll get into a little bit of uh, what I like somewhat jokingly, but also seriously call uh, mysteriology, which is like. <laughs> Uh, you know, being sort of comfortable with like the contrasting paradoxes of scripture. The study of the mysterious. Yeah, the study of the mysterious. And uh, one of the ways that we see that is in the end times, you know, like there's these different sort of portraits of it where, you know, there's uh, sort of like the destruction of the earth. There's like also like the descent of Christ and kind of like this battlefield. And like, there's all these different images. Yeah. And so we have to ask more of like, um, what is scripture describing to us right? and more of, uh, what is scripture like revealing about God and about the nature of things? Yes. And, uh, when, when we like take all these different revelations from different parts of scripture, that's where I believe we can build a more cohesive, um, kind of clear view of things that is going to be less, uh, divisive on semantical things yeah. and more, uh, holistically healthy. And so, I mean, I, I totally agree. And another thing, we can move off of this uh, in one second. But I also think, you know, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of uh, very apocalyptic language and there's mm-hmm. a lot of language about the judgment of Israel yeah. for their sin. Yep. And oftentimes the language is like talking about God, like bathing Jerusalem with fire or like wetting his sword, you know, and it's, it's very like kind of God stepping down and doing these things Hmm. and all of these things come to pass. But what we see through the council of history is that uh, God kind of carries these out through more natural means, not through his own hand. Yeah, exactly. It's like through the Assyrians or whatever. Right. And sometimes that's directly spoken to in prophecy. Sometimes it's not. And so, um, you know, that, that's kind of where it's like when we talk about uh, the destruction of the earth or whatever, it's like, there's room for like, is that literal? Is that uh, symbolic? Or is that like directly from God? Is that cosmic? Or is it like, you know, through like nuclear war or whatever? Like there, there's a lot of interesting conversations to be had yeah, where, yeah. when you jump into all of that. Yep. But one of the things that I also really want to pull out that I think is a little more applicable yep. is... Uh, verse three, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with their scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And he get, kind of goes into these questions. Where, like, where is the promise of his coming? Um, ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And, you know, that's like one of those things that you will still hear, like almost directly uh, sort of said out of the mouths of, uh, you know, sort of like the new atheist movement or the deconstructionist movement, you know, kind of these different uh, movements that 
are trying to basically usurp um, the advance of the gospel. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think the the key thing there that we have to be watchful for in ourselves, in our communities, is this spirit of scoffing that mm-hmm. he talks about. And the reason I think it's so important is it's not just Second Peter 3, but, I mean, the Proverbs talk about the scoffer so much. Um, Psalm 1 talks about, you know, don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Mm. And this was a really convicting thing um, for me in college, you know, and I've talked about it on here a fair amount, like that there was a big season of life where I was really pulling apart um, and trying to disambiguate my faith and figure out what do I really believe. Hmm. It was kind of like this deconstruction rebuilding period for me. One of the things that I was really convicted about is um, I'm a very sarcastic person. Hmm. I'm a very like uh, sort of humor driven person. You're, you're bent towards scoffing. I'm very bent towards scoffing <laughs> is what I'm getting at. And so basically what I realized is the easy route that I, I, I can go through my life yeah. constantly taking, the easy route is taking nothing seriously. Um, it's kind of question everything, take nothing seriously, um, and you know, be uh, demeaning, be sarcastic. And the reason that that is really dangerous is you feel really smart mm-hmm. and you feel really perceptive. Right. Um, and, and you can even seem and sound smart to other mm-hmm. people. At the end of the day, you can scoff about anything, you know, and that's what we've seen. Like we live in an age of scoffing where it's like, no matter what the thing is, whether it's like, uh, you know, a vaccine or a politician or a religious movement or whatever, you can like sarcastically pull apart anything that anybody believes. And there will be many, many people online who think that you sound really intelligent. Right. And that's how people rise to power. And uh, the church is really at danger, especially in the internet age, uh, of um, being idle as the spirit of scoffing grows. And Mm. like that is what destroys churches. Mm. It it destroys people's faith, but it also destroys churches. And, uh, you know, it's why like I am really hesitant about the Babylon Bee. I'm really hesitant Mm. about like, Christian satire and like the whole idea of like making fun of something to make a point because while like there we see like bits of satire in the Bible so like you can't totally I can't condemn it wholly but like you are on such a slippery slope Mm. to being ineffective um, Mm. towards having a closed mind and I think you know the end of scoffing is like you actually end up missing God, mm. even if you think that you're in tune with Him. You can end up missing Him mm. if you're just totally consumed with this sarcastic, um, kind of prideful approach towards the world. Yeah. And uh, you know, it might seem like that. You know, that it, it can take many forms, and so you might think like, oh, I'm not gonna like miss the return of Christ. But uh, it is like a, it's a poisonous thing that mm. can poison our minds. And, um, and to rather than being constructive, encouraging people to be kind of cynical, sarcastic, even if it feels intelligent. Yeah. yeah I mean, just a quick response. Like as you were first started talking about scoffing, I, I was thinking like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure scoffing's like an issue. But then as you started like talking about it I, and I started thinking, you know, Saturday Night Live came to mind. Yeah. Um, the late shows. Oh, it's all like, around us. Yeah. And then it's like, it's oh my everything. gosh, the it's spirit everything. of scoffing is like literally everywhere. Yes. And yes. like people have become like very, very wealthy and famous 
Yeah. Over just scoffing. Yes. You know, all the politically incorrect shows and the, you know, yeah. all, all the, the Bill Maher. I mean, yeah. all that stuff is yeah. like, it's just a spirit of scoffing. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, it, it is popular for some reason. It like, I think it taps into something very deep into our sin nature that we, that we love. Yes. Uh, because it ultimately just puts other people down. Yeah. But it does nothing to advance the kingdom. Yes. And so I, I've, I love it. I mean, I think that's a great point. Something that we ought to seriously consider. Are yeah. we are are we kind of like finding ourselves, you know, entering into the spirit of scoffing? Yeah. Even in these humorous, like seemingly harmless ways. Yeah. Or, you know, do we find ourselves like having a check in our spirit to say, you know what? I mean, I could try to be funny all the time and probably get a bunch of laughs or whatever, yeah. but this is ultimately not uh, for the sake of the gospel and not for, you know, as, as D said in a recent, a recent sermon for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, that is. And I, I loved that point in the sermon, the yeah. for Christ's sake thing, because it really does like it. And I think part of this instruction from second Peter three is don't, don't like scoff back. Like don't, don't jab back, you know? And, and I've seen these like things where it's like, uh, kind of scoffing and like, sarcastically joking about people on like deconstruction journeys or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, what are we accomplishing? You know, like what are we accomplishing by making fun of somebody with gender dysphoria? Like, yeah. Like, is that the way of Jesus? Is right. that for Jesus' sake or is it like for our sake? Right. Um, so yeah, I love it. And, uh, you know, we, we probably need to start to tie it up, but, uh, a good word from second Peter three, and we got a couple more, as we wrap it up. And so for the great Barrett Fisher, this is Will Carlisle, and we'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.